The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Emily Murphy, Administrator Emily Murphy from the General Services Administration. Emily, uh, welcome to the show. Congratulations. It's just about your 18th month anniversary as uh, the Administrator of General Services. Do I have that about right? I think it's 19 months 19 now. months. Okay. I think well, I'm above average at this uh, point. <laughs> we are always above average, Emily. Always. So, <laughs> um, so today we're going to have a, a discussion of all things GSA, what's going on. Um, 2019 has already been a pretty big year. The last two years uh, have been pr- pretty big years for GSA with all that's happening, um, but it also marks GSA's 70th anniversary. And I didn't stop to think about that until GSA, probably at your urging, started talking more about the fact that it is their 70th, 1949. Um, July 1st. July 1st. Wow, coming right up. So can you share, like given that we're at that 70th anniversary, to talk a little bit about the history of GSA and how it came to be and what the vision was and that sort of thing? Well, Roger, you know I'm from Missouri, yes. and so when I was getting ready for confirmation, I was reading about Harry Truman, actually, and that during World War II, when he was the senator representing Missouri, he heard about some issues with the construction and procurement that were taking place as they were building Fort Leonard Wood, which is on the eastern side of the state. He lived over in Independence, Missouri, on the western side of the state, got in his car, drove across, decided he was going to go over and see it, being a, you know the guy who was a show-me guy. Um, and was concerned at what he saw and came back to D.C. and and asked to create a permanent uh, committee to investigate how we could do a better job. And then when he became vice president and then ultimately became president, he took a step back and said, what I learned during you know, that experience in World War II, I'd like to see if we as a government can be more efficient. So he reached out to former President Hoover and started the Hoover Commission, which looked and studied how could the government be more organizationally efficient. And the outcome was a recommendation that there be a general services administration so that they could have reduce unnecessary duplication in procurement. Sounds familiar. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, sure does. It's amazing how the more things change, the more they stay the same. That's absolutely true. The mission's just as valid today as it was 70 years ago. Right. So – what are your plans with regard to the celebration? What are you going to do on July 1st or or throughout the year? So we started 70 days out from July 1st doing a celebration of GSA at 70. And so each day there have been either you know little snippets put out on these, our social media accounts, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. There have been internal stories. I know we're working with your colleague, Jason Miller, is going to be doing a series of interviews with GSA employees who've been longtime employees, uh, looking forward and looking back as well. And we're just trying to celebrate exactly you know, that the mission's expanded. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and it, it's changed. Because when you think about the idea of a federal supply service and the idea that we were buying goods back in 1949, and that really what you're buying now is very sophisticated solutions. 
you know, when you're looking at property management, back then it was you bought a building and you ran the building. Now it's you have complex leasing arrangements as well. Uh, technology transformation service. GSA was always at the forefront of bringing computers in, but it really has, you know, with robotics process automation, just all the different ways that GSA is stepping up and leading across mission support services. The work we're doing with new pay and payroll across government right now and with the federal workforce transformation initiatives, really looking at how GSA supports other agencies so that they can take their limited resources and put them towards mission-critical items. Right. Well, even when you start thinking about the success of GSA's programs, you know, the GSA schedules program, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in your delegation to VA for its schedules as well, um, your GWACs that you talked about solutions and what those bring to the table for customer agencies, Oasis is just, it's the government buys more and more different things Mm -hmm. than it ever did before. And um, the thing I always liked about procurement is it does touch everything, right? Yes. It touches every, every agency's mission. And, you know, GSA is kind of a, you know, outside of the government contracts geeks like you and I, right? <laughs> is that okay to say? Oh, I, I completely include <laughs> okay. myself in that group. Right. right. You know, not, not the untold story, the unsung story of what GSA does to support uh, agency missions and the American people, um, you know, I think that, you know, the 70th anniversary and everything you can do to talk about, about I think is a great thing. I think just back to 2005 when we first worked together. Do you remember the initiative where we looked at what was being bought using schedules and that the underlying GSAM was really still geared towards buying supplies? But when we were looking across the schedules, more dollars were going towards services. And so the two of us back then worked on how do we transform the schedules? How do we rethink how the schedules operate so that we can embrace those services, make it easier for agencies. GSA is doing the same thing again now, looking at, once again, revisiting those schedules and figuring out it's no longer even that clean line between supplies and services. It's really about buying solutions. Right. And that's a great, hey, you did the perfect segue. We can talk about the Federal Marketplace Initiative. Oh, good. Okay. We'll come back at the end of the show, maybe to the 70th anniversary a little bit again. And, and, oh, by mm-hmm. the way, just the, the Coalition of Government Procurement, it's our 40th anniversary this year. So it's a big year for everybody. Um, it is. But the Federal Marketplace Initiative, I think for our listeners, what is that and what's the vision for it and where is it going? So the Federal Marketplace Initiative is really a collection of initiatives. I think there are 26 that are currently outlined, and there's always the ability to grow. But it's more than, than that, it's a series of principles. Uh, that we have to find a way to make it easier for customer agencies to do business with GSA, for vendors to sell through GSA, and frankly, for GSA to manage these contract vehicles. Uh, Right now, there are four what they call cornerstone initiatives. And I have to say, the public building side of me just cringes every time we talk about four cornerstones. I'm going to say, building with four cornerstones would not be structurally sound. (laughs) But from the buildings, you know, from the federal acquisition side, these are really four very strong cornerstones. Okay. So, um, and then the first one is looking at at schedules consolidation, taking the current 24 multiple award schedules and bringing them together into one schedule where vendors will only have to deal with one contracting officer, one set of terms and conditions, one set of you know, documents to upload and data processing, and being able to, uh, so it's simplifying it on that side, simplifying it for our vendor or for our customers so that agencies don't have to come in and decide 
if I want an IT service, do I go to Schedule 70 or do I go to the professional services schedule? They're not trying to navigate the, you know, a GSA bureaucracy. They're just able to come in and say, here's what I need. What's the best solution for it? And frankly, from a GSA perspective, it's going to reduce the burden on our workforce. There's going to be less data entry. There's going to be more of an ability to be really a business partner and a business advisor doing analytics, trying to really get the best deal for our customers. So I'm really excited about this initiative, as you well know. Yes, it's one yeah. we've talked about a lot. Yeah, and GSA issued its RFI with the, you know, I guess the first set of sort of standardized terms and conditions for mm -hmm. the consolidation. So you can feedback from industry. Uh, we're going to provide comments and feedback to GSA on it. We think it's a great first step to get things rolling. Can you talk, I mean, that's part of the yes. schedule, but can you talk a little about what the what the sort of milestones you, you, you've laid out for, for the FAS team? So the as you mentioned, we've got the RFI that's on the street right now. I think it closes June 21st, yes, first that, full day of summer. That's right. Uh, and the goal is that we'd be able to take that information, have the actual uh, clean RFP, you know, new solicitation in place by the end of the fiscal year. And that would mean that anyone coming in after the beginning of the fiscal year would come into this new consolidated schedule. Anyone who currently has one contract would be able to transfer them over to the new schedule through modification. And then any company that has multiple schedules, we're going to actually reach out to them and go through a series of alternatives so that we can help them transition over in a way that makes sense. We don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer there. We want to make sure we come up with something that makes sense. Well, um, Emily, you know, just to just take the we, we're already up on the first break. It's going fast. But when we come back, we'll continue to talk about the federal marketplace initiative we'll, and the MAS finish up on the MAS consolidation. Then look at those other three cornerstones. OK, <laughs> uh, my guest today is Administrator Emily Murphy from the General Services Administration. I am Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron, and my guest today is Administrator Emily Murphy uh, from the General Services Administration, celebrating its 70th anniversary. And Emily, when we took the break, we were talking about schedules consolidation, and we touched on duplication when we talked about Harry Truman's vision for GSA and reducing unnecessary duplication. So through here, the schedules consolidation is reducing duplication across the board in the program in the sense that companies have multiple contracts can now consolidate it down to one, help reduce paperwork, make it more efficient for them as well for as, as GSA. The other area where I think you're tackling as part of this is the SINs. That's right. In my understanding, you're going to reduce them by two-thirds. Is that correct? That sounds right. Um, I know that you've always given me a little grief over proliferation of SINs. Yes. which takes me back to my Catholic school days. Right. But the uh, we're looking at the number of special item numbers going from around 900 to just over 300, which should make it easier for companies. Again, less paperwork. We're actually hoping to align those special item numbers to the NICS codes. So it'll make it easier also for small businesses and for agencies looking for small businesses to find them. And frankly, it, it just, it'll be a, a much more organic uh, construct. That, so as industries evolve, we'll be able to evolve with them. I think that's a critical thing to do there. And, and to the extent, as you look at that, you know, trying to mirror the way companies go to market as part of that structure, I think gives, you know, the reduction of sins actually 
and in a way will create more flexibility for the companies. And I'm thinking about experiences we've had in the furniture area right. where we've tried to bring it more where it's the way companies sell and commercially and GSA has been very open to that and listening to that. So I think you got a huge opportunity there. And I tell companies to pay attention to that part of it in particular of how the SINs are going to be structured because that's how you go to market in a lot of ways. So um, and we're looking forward to seeing that. So, and also I, you know, I don't think I, I emphasized enough or, you know, when you're looking at those standardized terms and conditions or asked you about um, is that you're really looking at trying to reduce you know, the terms and conditions down to something that, you know, makes good sense from a business perspective for the government and for industry. Now, our goal is to bring it down to a core set of terms and conditions that are really necessary to, to have a commercial buying experience, a government's version of commercial, but the commercial right. buying mm-hmm. experience. And the fewer variations are that, you know, we currently have so many different terms and conditions and sets of clauses that it actually adds unnecessary comp, uh, complexity into the entire schedules process, and so our hope is that this is going to again reduce the burden on the on the vendors, and hopefully make it easier for them to offer us the latest and greatest solutions that they have, bring new entrants into that marketplace, but also make it easier for GSA to administer those contracts because there wouldn't be as much variation from contract to contract, and easier for our customer agencies to be able to come in and access those and have a a consistent experience no matter where they're going in the schedules program. Is when, and just last question on the schedules consolidation, is that when you look at this, it seems to me, and you, know, you, you, you couple this with OLMs and the consolidation, is, is the approach here to bring a more solutions approach to the schedules program? I really do think it's the, that evolution that we've, from the idea that we started off selling supplies, things, to selling things and services. Um, and that was really what we saw happen at the end of the 90s uh, through today. And then going now to customer agencies don't want to distinguish whether something's a supply or whether it's a service. They just want a solution that's going to fix their problem. They don't care what category it fits in as long as it actually accomplishes their goal and helps them fulfill their mission. All right. Okay. So let's tackle some of the other uh, the other three cornerstones. So first, I wanted to ask you about Catalog management. Okay. So, w- what is that? From uh, what should customer agencies think about when you talk when GSA talks about catalog management? So, I think one of the exciting things about catalog management starts with the fact you have to remember that GSA schedules currently have a catalog of over fifty million products and services that are being offered by vendors, and as we bring these into this new federal marketplace construct, we want to make sure that we're modernizing the, the experience that every party is having. I think if you actually look at the Federal Marketplace Initiative, you'll see that there are three stars in the initiative, and they stand for the customer experience, the vendor experience, and the GSA employee experience, because those are really the underpinnings of everything we're looking at with this uh, with the initiative. As Bill Gormley would say, that's the three le- three legs of the stool, right? That's, yes. Yes, and you can't you, that stool won't stand with you know if, if one of those is if shorter. One of than those the other. is shorter. It is going to be a really uncomfortable chair to sit in. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the by having an improved catalog management system, it's going to be able to, first of all, streamline the process for uploading information, for modifications on the schedules, for validating offerings or in sharing catalog information. It's going to give us the underlying database so we can improve our search tools and, frankly, make it everyone easier for everyone to navigate. As we talk about going to one schedule, we really need a good, robust catalog management system and a good search tool 
so that customers can find what it is that they want to buy. I think that the catalog management is going to really give us that level of, of detail that we need. We're making pretty good progress on it as well. Let me step back and say one other thing about catalog management. It's actually the number one of the number one problems that's raised every year through our customer loyalty yes. survey. Yep. It, even, so, it was back even when I was there too. So it's just <laughs> So in April of, of last year, I think 20 almost 21% of our customers listed that as their top challenge in dealing with GSA. And when you think about GSA Advantage on top of that, it's even higher. Almost 40% of the comments on GSA Advantage deal with the catalog management issues. We get about 1,000 calls per month to our vendor support hotline uh, center that are just related to bringing new items into a catalog. And we've got about an 80-hour lead time right now. So this is a real challenge for GSA, and it's one of the things that no one gets – usually when you say catalog management – it's not something that people get immediately excited about. But when you start talking about an 80-hour lead time or 50 million products or the fact that it's taking um, so much time for our vendors or that it's leading to so much frustration from our customers, this is an area where we're going to have an immediate improvement in the satisfaction of every party that's dealing with uh, the GSA schedules program. Well, it, enhance, it enhances transparency and it also it enhances competition. Right. The easier it is to search, the more people can compare Hmm. and make value decisions about what they want to buy. Um, It's a huge investment. And I know one of the things I want to say about GSA has been uh, already proactive in reaching out to industry uh, with regard to the catalog um, management strategy. And we've actually had a chance to talk to the folks leading that effort and just coming to ask, you know, what our thoughts are and what, where to go next and things like that. So it's been, it's been it's, GSA is to be commended in terms of the outreach. Well, you also just used two phrases that are near and dear to my heart. When I was confirmed, I said there were four things I wanted to do. I wanted to provide ethical leadership at GSA. I wanted to increase competition. I wanted to improve transparency, and I wanted to reduce duplication. We've already talked today about reducing duplication, but with the catalog management system, I agree, we're going to be able to increase competition and improve transparency, both of which I think are going to lead to a better experience for vendors, customers, and GSA employees. Right. That's a, those three stars, right? Those right, three Emma? stars. Yeah, yeah. And again, I want to encourage everyone to participate. But it, right. I know that GSA is doing a lot of work to try and do outreach. I know that the coalition has been very active with this. But keep encouraging people to keep talking to us because we want to get this right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk contract writing system. We have about a minute left in this segment, and we'll talk that, and then we'll talk also about the next segment about the commercial platforms initiative, right? That's the last two, right? That, yes, let's do is. the contract right. writing system first. Is that, is that okay? That sounds good to me. Okay, go ahead. So, tell us about tell, it. What is right. it? So the contract writing system, um, I love the acronyms we come up with in the federal government. They're, the, they've named the new contract writing system the Contract Acquisition Lifecycle Management System, or CALM, which I think is just a wonderful acronym for a contract writing system because when you think of the frustration that goes into the current contract writing systems, a CALM contract writing system is, is going to deliver on that promise. Um, if you look at our acquisition lifecycle and the support behind it, whether everything from requirements definition, acquisition planning, market research, synopsis and solicitation, you know, source selection award, contract administration, all of these various parts, I shouldn't forget contract closeout, we're going to be able to actually have one contract writing system behind all of that for 
the Federal Acquisition Service, including the multiple word schedules, the non-multiple word schedule IDIQs, global supply, the assisted acquisition programs, and the Technology Transformation Service. So one system where we're going to be able to share information. And I have to say thank you. Uh, Becky Kosis has been leading the initiative yeah, in GSA it's, 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 and doing a wonderful job. She's worked. This was a great really, choice. Oh, she's yeah. worked really closely with DHS actually to make sure that the standards we're coming up with for our contract writing system will work with those that other agencies are developing as well. And she's worked with the Office of Government Wide Policy at GSA um, as we're coming up with the FIBIF on the. Is that a new one? Another. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's it's one of the. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 the underlying standards we're trying to come up with across the government for shared services in our state. And so GSA has been in there helping other agencies pull these together. We're going first and trying to put a contract writing system in place that would meet these standards. Do you um, see, you know, given you know the shared services role GSA plays, do you see potentially other agencies just piggybacking on your system for themselves or – well, I, th- I think our goal is to make sure that whatever system we develop would work with everyone else's systems, that we're having the same standards. I don't want to suggest that we're going to go out. We haven't gone well, up with an acquisition yeah, strategy this, yet right, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, or that we're trying to come up with a government-wide system that everyone would need to use. But we want to make sure that we're creating a system where there will be transparency, that there will be interoperability, that we're going to be able to share data and learn from each other, that we're not going to be creating new stovepipes between agencies. Right. Great stuff. My guest today is Emily Murphy. She's Administrator of the General Services Administration. I'm Roger Waldron, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron, and my guest today is Administrator Emily Murphy from GSA, and we're talking about the Federal Marketplace Initiative. And Emily, we've tackled or touched on or worked on or whatever you want to call it, three of the Have four cornerstones. about it? Yes, uh, uh, three of the four cornerstones. And um, the last of the cornerstones is the Commercial Platforms Initiative. So what is that? So as you recall, Congress directed GSA to work to put in place a commercial platform. And they gave us a three-pronged approach to doing it. So the first phase was going to – a brief study, then the second was do a larger study and look, consider alternatives. And then we're now in phase three, which is we're hard at work on a draft solicitation for an initial proof of concept. Uh, we hope to have it released using FedBizOps by the end of June. Are you going to be putting out a RFI for that first? or I mean, what in, is that um, the end of June, what you're doing, or is it going to be the formal solicitation? It's a draft solicitation that would okay. go out at that point. Okay. Um, so the public's going to have an opportunity to take a look at oh, it yes, and comment yeah, on it? Yeah. You and I have discussed before that I'm keen to make sure we have as much conversation about this as possible. We want to make sure that we're going to have a good, solid proof of concept with multiple offerings and that we'll be, you know, we, once we have that in place, then we can start expanding upon that initial proof of concept. So, yeah, and so your vision, what you know, the, the proof of concept, what are you looking, the data you're looking to get out of it to like sort of inform what you're going to do next or where, where the government goes from there? Well, so one of the first things we're looking at is will people use this portal? Given that the current plan is to only have a proof of concept that goes up to the micro-purchase threshold, if other agencies are able to use um, – or you don't have to go through GSA to access any of these commercial providers right now. Is the data and the service GSA would provide going to be worth it to them? Will they come and use our our platform? 
the we've asked Congress to consider giving us a a trial period of having five years of increasing that micropurchase threshold for purchases made through um, through the platform to twenty five thousand, which we think would serve as an incentive for agencies to want to participate and frankly for some of the commercial platforms to also want to participate. We think that it's going to give us a lot of data on the buying patterns that we have, ways that we could look at and see if there are more there are efficiencies we could be. Um, gathering, we want, we hope to compare what we're learning that's bought through the portal against purchases that are being made against schedule or being made through global supply, so that we can get data and figure out which models the most efficient and effective in which cases. And I don't think there's ever going to be a one size fits all scenario, um, but trying to figure out you know, how do we get that information? How can we better control the information, uh, the products that are coming into our supply chain? The Dollars are coming in through those small dollar purchases right now. We don't have a lot of good data on what's coming in to the federal e- ecosystem that way. We're hoping that the platform is going to help us get better information there. Yeah, one of the things that you describe that, and I just you know when when you're talking about, and I think one of the things that we've you know in examining this is that you know the opportunity or what you're looking at in terms of translating commercial platforms into GSA Advantage or what, if there's ability to, I know the statute doesn't allow for that, but as GSA thinks about its strategy for modernizing GSA Advantage, do you hope to get lessons learned from the way commercial platforms operate to see if that's, you know, you can identify potential solutions or even as it's, it's even a market research tool in terms of the services that, that those platforms provide? Absolutely. We're always looking for ways to improve how the schedules operate and how GSA Advantage operates. The fact that our cataloging is the top complaint from our, you know, from our customer agencies and is a significant pain point for our vendors means that we've got a lot to learn in this space. And to the extent we can learn that from commercial platforms, I think it's going to make for a better GSA experience no matter how you approach GSA, whether it's through that commercial platform or whether it's through the more traditional schedules program or any of our other ordering or contract offerings. Right. So, yeah. And like when you think about GSA Advantage, I mean, people, I don't think, but when you think about the history of GSA, I think GSA Advantage may have been the first like electronic catalog ever or of its type um, back in the 90s when it was launched. Um, and it and really was of, cutting edge at, at the time. Back in the 90s. But it's um, whether, you know, it's been patched or, you know, sort of, you know, not, it hasn't, I don't think, had a wholesale complete, let's try a commercial platform or whatever. But, um, Perhaps that's something, you know, as you guys move forward, you'll look at. So one of the things that just from your perspective, what do you see as the, you've described some of the biggest opportunities that you see in terms of data mining and that sort of thing and learning about what government's doing. Um, What do you see as some of the potential challenges or areas that you're going to want to pay close attention to when when you're looking at how this is is moving forward? So one of the top, I'd say two of the top issues we're looking at are what does this mean for small businesses? And what does this mean for our partners through AbilityOne? Uh, we want to make sure that we're continuing to create opportunities for both small businesses and for the companies that employ the blind and the severely disabled. GSA has been a good partner to each of those groups over the years, and we expect that any commercial platform we work through, we're going to want to make sure we're at least preserving that market space, if not continuing to grow it. We are concerned also about as I said, will federal agencies use this? If we build it, will they come? 
the field of dreams strategy is not one I'm I'm usually very fond of. No, that's of. in the movies. <laughs> no, in, 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 in the movies, if you build it, they come. Right. And right. Uh, I think GSA has a fair amount of experience building things that agencies don't come to. And so making sure, I think one of the reasons that GSA is doing this is a very phased incremental approach and using the uh, going to the commercial platform uh, first rather than going to the single channel or doing the rather than going through an e-procurement tool, right, is yeah, we like want to make sure that, we, that we're that we building on a solid foundation and that we're getting that information and that we have a we have a defined user group. We've been talking to agencies about what would make this attractive for them, what kind of data would they want to collect. There is some tension there also between you know, we're required to, to the extent possible, use commercial terms and conditions in these platforms. But at the same time, we want to make sure we're getting the data necessary to effectively manage them. So this is going to be a, a challenging launch for GSA, but it's one I think we're going to be able to uh, learn a lot from and hopefully create a better experience overall for every, you know, if you look at those the, the three legs of that stool we talked about earlier, the GSA employees, the vendors, and the customer agencies, ultimately so the taxpayers get a better result. I think that we're hoping that this is going to solve, you know, to help all three. Okay, and then now let's take a step back again. And so how when you put all these these four cornerstones together, how do you see them complementing each other with the overall vision for the federal marketplace initiative? So Alan Thomas, the Federal Acquisition Service Commissioner, refers to this as the fifth C, which at least isn't a cornerstone because a house with five cornerstones would certainly not stand. I can't wrap my hand um, around that. No, <laughs> it uh, he goes the fifth C. He says stands for convergence. Bringing these four together hopefully gives us an improved end-to-end acquisition experience for every party who's involved in that acquisition process. It also creates, in and of itself, and this is where I do think it is truly foundational, so maybe the idea of a cornerstone really does work, is it's the foundation for the other 22 initiatives that are currently part of that federal marketplace. And there are going to be new initiatives that come in uh, to the federal marketplace, but this is really putting in place the right structure so that we can con- can support those. One that I'm excited about is the idea of a, a services contract where we do the initial award based on technical qualifications. And then we have the pricing competition at the task order level so that you're actually getting the prices for what it's going to cost you for that particular service or that particular solution. And you're getting the best, of the, you know, you're getting the best companies competing. I think that that's going to help bring a lot of innovative solutions to the table and frankly, save us money overall, because right now when we're trying to price things, we don't always know what the ultimate task order will look like. And so you're, you're trying to get the best information you can get to do that evaluation. But I think that you know, the idea of having pricing at the task order level should – I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and you, be, you, you stole my thunder. I was going to ask I? you about that. Uh, but that's good. That's great. You got, you got ahead of me on that one. Um, you're usually always ahead of me. So, but uh, <laughs> I wish that were true, uh, Roger. Uh, um, but that the unpriced schedule concept or unpriced contract, really, mm-hmm. you could do it. You know, it's not limited. The statute doesn't limit it just to schedules. It includes schedules. So, um, as mm-hmm. I think, is a great opportunity for GSA um, to focus on that competition at the task order level, where you get where the value and price and approach are critically important. Um, and we're, we're up on our break again, Emily. When we come back, I have to ask you about um, training. And I know you made a big announcement um, 
and as a matter of fact, we were honored that you made the announcement at uh, the coalition conference back on uh, May 16th about the new FAST training uh, symposium. Uh, maybe I'm not using the right word, symposium, but that works for me. Um, but it's a great opportunity, and it's really exciting news, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment. My guest today is Emily Murphy, the Administrator of the General Services Administration. I am Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is, em- is Administrator Emily Murphy from GSA. And Emily, um, you know, it's uh, training is a cornerstone. Uh, how do you like that? Cornerstone of... Uh, you know, the, Are we at six uh, cornerstones now? <laughs> yes, of uh, supporting the acquisition workforce, their professional development, um, you know, just in, improving you know their experience at, at work. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. and one of the exciting things that uh, you announced on May 16th at the coalition conference is this new Fast 2020. So I'm going to give you the floor. What is Fast 2020? So the Federal Acquisition Service Training, or Fast conference uh, is a multi-day national training conference for federal federal acquisition workforce. It's going to take place in April of 2020, the 14th through the 16th. So file your taxes early so that you can come. And it'll be in Atlanta, Georgia at the World Congress Center. It's going to be free for federal employees. And it's also going to have the ability for industry partners and customer agencies to come uh, and, and participate our goal is that it'll be up to 20 uh, CLPs for every member of the federal acquisition workforce that attends and that we're going to keep costs down. It's going to be no more than $13 per credit hour uh, so that it, it'll be a really efficient way for the acquisition workforce to come and get training on all the exciting things we were just talking about, Roger, on how the multiple award schedule consolidation is going to affect how they use schedules how the new catalog management system, the new contract writing system, the new commercial platform, how each of those are, you know, are tools they can use and how they can use those in a responsible, effective, efficient manner so that they can meet their agency's needs. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an exciting development. You know, it's something that I think the community has been missing in terms of like training for folks on a, on a sort of leverage basis to, you know, that cost effective way. Um, and even just the idea of uh, the acquisition workforce, government, industry, having a place to do tr- training together mm-hmm. where they can also share experiences. And, you know, you learn from, like, I, 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 tell, I used to tell people, it's that old throw, throw, if I, uh, throwaway line. If I knew then what I know now, having, you know, worked in a law firm and advised uh, clients on government contract issues, just the, the unintended consequences or even just the impact that things the government does and, you know, and then how they impact or how, understanding how the government thinks, how it, you know, it views things from an industry perspective, improves their ability to respond, uh, improves the ability to communicate to get to the requirement. Um, so, I mean, th- you know, I know that the reaction to it amongst in- your industry partners has been very positive. I know lots of folks are looking forward to participating um, can you give a sense of like, I know there's going to be training on all those current events is you're looking at training across the board for folks on, on just a host of different issues, or are you going to have some, you know, private sector training, you know, 
people come in and do some courses, that sort of thing. Do you want to pitch a class to me now? Or? Uh, I, I, yeah, well, we'll get to that at some okay. point. Maybe <laughs> maybe uh, off the show, yeah. So we can we can provide something, but um, you know, that's I think if you can get you know a cross section of the procurement uh, community to provide training, it'd be very valuable. I know. I do think we're going to have a wide variety of individuals providing classes and content. Uh, we're making sure that each of the classes, again, qualifies for the CLP credit because mm-hmm. we want to make sure it's a good investment of time for the workforce that's coming there. Uh, I'd say that I'd be remiss if I didn't tell everyone to watch the website on it. So it's www.gsa.gov slash fast. And that the, we expect that registration should open in late July, early August. Mm-hmm. So for uh, for federal employees. And then we'll open it slightly later than that for uh, for. Um, for the our vendors and other partners who want to attend. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to going. I I am looking forward to it as well. Yes. Um, um, but one of the things I wanted to, um, you know, touch upon with regard to this is I, one of the things I don't think people understand or appreciate, and we can touch on a little bit, is yeah, this is a lot of work. Putting up something like this and um, – to support the government-wide acquisition community, um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort um, and a lot of resources. And I think GSA is to be commended to stepping up to doing this. And you know, if you have any thoughts on that, in terms, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of planning. It's a big deal. Well, and it's it's an area we've heard a lot from both our customer agencies and from our partners in the in the private sector that they've missed this unified training conference. Uh, that that you know, having a variety of smaller regional training conferences just is not a good substitute for one national training conference where we spend a, a solid period of time just focused on educating that acquisition workforce. It, you know, in the past, I think 65% of the participation in, in, from the private sector was small business, so it was a great chance for small businesses to come and also learn a lot about how the government was intending to buy things not specific, I'm not suggesting sure, procurement yeah. sensitive, but just, you know, here's how we're planning to do business going forward. Here's how we're advising people to use the new, the, you know, the, the schedules or any of the acquisition vehicles. Um, so, so, and that exchange of ideas between whether it be different agencies who are coming and participating, um, agencies and, you know, and the private sector, different vendors communicating with each other, it really just is invaluable. Right. Well, to your, to your point, um, or you talked about your goals coming in as administrator. So this training conference goes to enhancing competition, right? It providing people the tools to understand how to more effectively uh, compete for requirements, but also government folks more effectively set the framework for that competition. It also is about transparency, in the sense that you're laying out the training, you're bringing uh, the private sector and government together to exchange ideas and information about how to improve the procurement process. Um, it's, and it's, and you're, I know you're going to have ethics training there well, too, we as will. well. So it also reduces duplication. Though. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, Fewer duplicative conferences. So yeah. it, it hits all four of the, uh, it's a grand of slam, my goals. Huh? Yes, grand it slam. is. It is a grand Absolutely. slam. So, um, my last, and you know, we're right up uh, on the time. So the last thing I wanted to just touch on. So we, we began the show talking about GSA's 70th anniversary, um, and the history behind it. And I just want to to 
get your thoughts, like looking in your crystal ball or your vision, where do you think GSA is five years, 10 years down the road? Ooh. So if we go 10 years out, and I, I, I'm hoping that the federal marketplace experience has grown and it doesn't just encompass schedules, but it begins to encompass the GWACs and the other MACs that GSA manages so that we are, again, reducing that burden and making it easier for companies to move back and forth depending on the type of procurements they want to offer, making it easier for vendors to access them, reducing the underlying systems. I hope that all 26 of the initiatives that are in the federal marketplace have been implemented, everything from you know, the improved set, uh, the uh, sales reporting tool to the informed pilot so you get better information on, uh, on debriefings to increase transparency on e-buy purchases. If we have a world-class suite of tools so that you know, agencies coming in or vendors trying to offer their solutions can easily find what they want, that we continue to sort of go back to Harry Truman's goal of reducing unnecessary duplication in contracting and public buildings. Right, and leveraging. Like leveraging, leveraging the, the workforce, yes, leveraging the, that workforce, the private sector to deliver better, best value to customer agencies. Right, that's it what is, it's all it about. It really is about delivering that best value. Yeah. If we do our job, it makes it easier for our customer agencies to do their job. Well, I'm, Emily, it's been great having you on the show. It's been wonderful being here. Thanks for coming on. My guest today has been Administrator Emily Murphy from GSA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.